Welcome to the Living Epistle Podcast, the place where you will find biblical principles to help you live out your faith on a daily basis and to have a positive impact on the lives of others. So get ready for another powerful episode of Living Epistle Podcast. Hello, my name is Tony Miles, and welcome to this week's episode of Living Epistle Podcast. Let me just state for the record that I am so grateful to the Lord for how he allows us the privilege, and truly, believe me, it is a privilege to participate in what he's doing in the lives of others. It's not that we've earned it. It's not that we're because we're so good or holy or righteous and just. It's just that because God loves us so much that he allows us truly the privilege to participate in what he's doing in the lives of others. And Specifically, I was just thinking about two conversations I had this week where God was using ordinary people to challenge and to inspire and to encourage others. And so I want to share in this week's episode, um, recount one of those stories. Right. And so this week uh, I was talking to a man and he's estranged from his daughter, estranged, meaning alienated, separated, isolated, meaning that they really do not have a good relationship. And he's estranged from his grown daughter. And as he was telling me the story, or as he was recounting the story, I could hear, you know, his heart breaking over some of the poor choices, some of the poor choices that she is making in her life. And really, it just uh, just a bunch of a series of bad decisions. And so I won't go into all of the details, but just suffice it to say that it was just breaking her dad's heart. And again, just because she's making some seriously poor life's choices. And so he often reaches out to her. But he gets no response in return. And so after a while, of course, it's only natural that the father would begin to think in the natural again. And I want to be clear on that in the natural. Why bother? Right. It's obvious that she doesn't want anything to do with me. And I'm sure that's where he is. That's where he stated that he was. And so, you know, he was just sharing with me that at that point, you know, sometimes you just say, well, wow, I, you know, I I really don't need this. And so as he was sharing those thoughts and sharing those feelings about this situation, the Lord just dropped this one phrase in my spirit, ministry of reconciliation, ministry of reconciliation. That's that's all he kept saying to me was ministry of reconciliation. And so um, that's what we'll talk about on this week's podcast. And all of us, all of us who are followers of Jesus Christ are called to the, quote, ministry of reconciliation, end quote. Well, what exactly does this mean? Well, for the answer to that question, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 19. And it reads, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Right? That is, that God in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So you know how we roll in Living Epistle Podcast. Let's define this word, reconciliation. Well, right, in accounting terms, uh, accountants would certainly know what this means. A reconciliation or a bank wreck, as they call it in the business, is where you get your statement and you're reconciling what's on your bank statement with what you have in your books, right? So that's one way. 
The Webster's Dictionary defines uh, reconciliation, though, as the restoration of friendly relationships. And uh, some of the synonyms that they use are uniting or reunion, right? That's reconciliation, and that's good. But the biblical definition of reconciliation is, quote, to return to favor, end quote. And I thought that was so interesting, to return to favor. Now, the question becomes, If you have to return to favor, that means at some point you have lost or left favor, right? And so how have we lost favor? And that requires just a brief uh, biblical historical background. So here's the story really briefly, and you know it already for many of you. When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, they lost their favor with whom? With God, right? And so they lost their favor with God and then they fell into a life of sin. And so as a result, they passed along their sinful nature to all of their descendants. And that to this day would be you and me and everybody who comes be- who came before us and everybody who comes after us. Basically, it's everybody, all of humanity who came after Adam and Eve. And so in the Old Testament, right, the law had no power to reconcile mankind back to God. All the law could do was only point out our sins. And so the law was given, number one, to show us what God's standard is, but also, number two, to point out to us just how sinful we are and that we cannot make um, ourselves righteous according to the law because it tells us that if you're guilty of breaking one, you're guilty of breaking them all. So we cannot keep the law. We just can't do it. Not all of the statutes and the commandments of the law. So let's fast forward to the New Testament. Our loving, gracious God sent the ultimate sacrifice of atonement in the person of Jesus Christ. How do we know? Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 21, and it reads, for he capital H-E, Jesus, made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, right? So God, he made him, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And so now because of what Jesus did through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, we move from sinner to child of God through Jesus Christ. That, my friends, is reconciliation to go from sinner, one who is out of favor to a child of God through Jesus Christ, who now is one in favor. That is reconciliation. And so because we have been reconciled, that is, we have again returned to favor. We are given now the ministry of reconciliation to help others return to favor. So what does this mean? What meaneth this, right? What is all of this about? What this means is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 gives us the answer to this question. And it reads, and again, all of these translations or all of these scriptures are from the New King James Version. And it reads, now then... We are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So again, here's the side note, right? Well, let me go back. So we now are ambassadors for Christ. And I want to make a side note here when I look up when we talk about ambassadors, as you know, ambassadors do not under, do not operate under their own rules. They do not operate under their own authority. They operate under the authority of the government of their home country. And they're usually in a foreign land. They're usually in a foreign place. But yet they still have the authority and the backing 
of their home government, whatever their home country is, wherever they're from, that's whose authority they operate. And they rep and they represent the government of the country from where they come, not the government of the place where they are, but the government of the place from where they come. And so the Bible says, since we are ambassadors of Christ, right, then now we are to follow in Jesus's footsteps. We are to operate the way he operated when he was on the earth. What does that look like? We are to love others with an unconditional love. We are to speak truth in love. We are to show people their need for God, regardless of whether they're rich or poor, young or old, black or white, regardless of their socioeconomic status or where they come. We are to show people their need for God. And finally, this whole ministry of reconciliation and what Christ did is we are to share the power of the gospel, the good news that Jesus came, that he died, that he rose again, and now he's seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercessions for us. And so how does this tie into the story that I started with with this dad? So again, this ties into him because as I was talking to him, it means that just because the daughter isn't responding to what he is offering. And you better believe he had a hand in some of this early on in her life. Yes, we, we know that. So that, that goes without saying, but he's at a different place now. And he's at a place now where he is uh, loving God and trying to be a father to this young woman. And yet he is getting no response in return. But even as he is making efforts to reach out to his daughter and she does not respond, that does not give him the right to quit even if she doesn't reciprocate that doesn't give him the right to throw his hands up that doesn't give him the right to walk away how do we know Romans chapter 5 verses 6 through 8 is a clear example here of why we don't get the privilege or the honor or the right to walk away because Romans chapter 5 verses 6 through 8 says for we we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly, for scarcely a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. And so you see, it means that this father, this man who is not receiving any response, not receiving any reciprocation, not receiving any feedback from the daughter. It means that he must continue to seek God on behalf of his estranged daughter in order to show her the love of an earthly father so that he can point her to the love of her heavenly father through Jesus Christ. You see, the same holds true for all of us. We may not be dealing with this particular situation. We may not have an estranged son or an estranged daughter or an estranged husband or a strange wife or an estranged family relationship. But all of us at some point in our lives, at one point or another, have dealt with conflict, have dealt with um, have dealt with. Uh, conflict have dealt with uh, something that is not right, have dealt with something where we know that there needs to be the power of God in that situation. Come on, we don't have to look very far. All we have to do is look at what's happening in school or on our in our job, on our jobs or in our homes or in our neighborhoods or our, our little our um, our our um, fraternities, sororities, our community organizations, our civic organizations, whatever we're involved in. We don't have to look very far to see that the ministry of 
of reconciliation, opportunities for it abound, particularly here in America. I can't help but think about the racial tensions that exist in our country. I can't also help but think about the economic and the political tensions that exist. You talk about opportunities for ministries of reconciliation. They are all around us. So as we go through our daily lives, God has called us to be ministers of reconciliation and do not get it twisted. Minister just means servant. It doesn't mean that you're a title, you're a reverend, you're a doctor, you're a bishop, you're an elder. It doesn't mean any of that. A minister of reconciliation means you are a servant of reconciliation and you are here to serve up reconciliation. That is what Jesus meant in Matthew chapter five, verse nine, Matthew chapter five, verse nine, when he said, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons. And I put in here parentheses and daughters, because when he talks about sons, it's mankind. They shall be called the sons and daughters of God. Blessed are those reconciling the lost to the father. Blessed are those who view peacemaking with an eternal perspective. So again, it doesn't matter what the temporal situation is. It doesn't matter that people may not be responding to you or to me or to us the way that we would like them to respond. If Jesus is our Lord and if he has called us into out of the darkness into his marvelous light, then we have no option and no choice but to be his ministers of reconciliation. And so as we embrace our role as peacemakers, as reconcilers, let us remember this. Only through Christ can someone be reconciled to God. Let me repeat that. Only through Christ can anyone, someone, everyone be reconciled to God. And here it is in this free. I pray that this will free you up because it freed me up. And so our job here it is. Our job is to spread the good news, but it's the Holy Spirit's job to move them into a relationship with Christ. So even if we don't see it, even if we never witness it on this side, our job, our responsibility is to spread the good news. It is to share the love of Jesus Christ, even in the midst of conflict, even when they don't reciprocate, even when they call you names, even when they, uh, even when you put the whatever it is, our responsibility as believers is to spread the good news and leave it up to the Holy Spirit to move them into a relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord. So remember, family, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. This is Tony Miles. Thanks for listening. Now go and be a living epistle. Join us again next week for another episode of Living Epistle Podcast. Music for Living Epistle Podcast is provided by audionautics.com.